Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So welcome to the little bit different. This intro is weird for me. Mm. It's like, um, I'm not going to say everywhere we go because people, people know who you are. Well, hopefully people know who you are. Um, so this is a little bit different. So um, just over... The past while, I've been seeing a lot more situations of domestic violence in the media, in friend groups and people that I know. Um, and I just asked the ladies that maybe we could do a series of domestic violence podcasts that we do maybe once a month, once every six weeks. So... The ladies are here from Stop Domestic Violence. They were on the pod before. We have Miss Ahini and Miss Priscilla. Um, And this, I think, the way I said it would be that it would be the four steps or the procedures for anyone who was in the middle of a moment or even someone who thinks, this is not right, but I actually don't know, am I being abused? So maybe do you want to start with that and say, like, what is domestic violence what is domestic abuse so domestic abuse is basically when we'll give you an example it's a man or a woman it can be a woman and a woman whatever the relationship is is when someone basically physically raises their hand to you it's when someone emotionally abuses you verbally speaks to you in a derogatory way when they basically gaslight you when they comment on certain things, for example, what you're wearing, um, and control. So domestic abuse, in layman's terms, is not just one, you know, household that someone is hitting someone else. It's so many different forms of abuse. Um, so it's not just physically hitting someone. Yeah, because I think it's not one thing to say, say, but he doesn't hit her, he wouldn't hit her that often, or she's probably got a slap off him once. That's not domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah, so like domestic being in the home, violence, people think it's physical or abuse, it's ongoing. So a lot of the time people say domestic abuse because it's an ongoing thing. Um, Regardless, domestic violence or abuse, it still obviously shouldn't happen. So in layman's terms, it's basically behind closed doors, household, violence or abuse. So how prevalent is it right now? It is, it's actually getting worse to be honest with you, like you're seeing people every single day, not just in the news, but you're seeing people on social media, you're seeing people on TikTok crying out for help um, because they know they're being abused, but they don't know the right steps because they hear all these terms in court, they hear all these safety, barren, maintenance, legal aid, they have not got a notion what it is because 
it's not done in layman's terms in this country. Um, obviously courts are terrifying for whatever subject it is, but especially for domestic abuse, when it's an ongoing thing, a woman or a man, whatever, um, whoever the person may be, is not just going to get up and walk away because at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have emotions. We all think that when we're attracted to someone that they're going to treat you properly. Um, that's never the case. So it has gotten worse, I think, for us in the last six months helping people. Um, I think... Like, we don't even count how many people we help because we just don't have the time to sit there and count how many people on messages or on Facebook that we help. Um, we don't do this statistics thing because we don't feel um, that it needs to happen. If we can help someone and keep them alive, well, by all means, that's better than, you know, putting out statistics. So for us, like, we could get a text message off someone and they could say, hi, yeah, my name is such and such, I need help. Um, and then they would just go into detail and someone could turn around and say, I have no idea what order I need. I have no idea if I'm even being abused. That's how much women, 90% of the time it's women, are being brainwashed. So they will say, well, you know, on a Monday, he could give out to me for not having his dinner ready. But on a Tuesday, he could be lovely and bring me out for dinner. So it's the small little things like gaslighting. That's mad. Isn't that mad? Yeah. Like little things like, oh, I didn't have his dinner ready. And he's gone fucking mad. Yeah, and you'd be absolutely terrified if he comes home. And people say, well, like, why wouldn't you have his dinner ready? And I think there's such an Irish stereotypical thing. It's like, well, you know, stay at home, mom, would always cook the dinner. He's the breadwinner. He goes off to work. He comes home. And then my dinner's not ready or my dinner's too cold, you know. So it's we need to stop this stigma of him being the breadwinner. And I say him because 90% of people that we help are women. Um, again, it can be the opposite way around. Absolutely, women, women abuse as well. Um, but it's the small things, and people say, "Ah, oh, no, sure." Like that, but that's what it is. And I'm like, "No, but that's not what it is. That's not the way life should be. You shouldn't have to fear that his dinner should be sitting on the table, that the knife and fork should be in a proper place. Like that's completely gaslighting someone. Um, and I definitely think gaslighting is one form of abuse that people don't speak about. Um, so an example of gaslighting would be like. He could turn around and say to you, um, oh, you know, uh, we'll go out for dinner tonight, um, but don't wear that dress because I don't really like that on you. That's a form of control. Um, but then also making a joke about it. So he could be making a joke about your weight, about what way you look. And basically, you can't help the way you look. And because you're not perfect to him, he's basically gaslighting you. Um, so that's literally what that is in layman's terms. Um, and then... Because isn't it like everyone's like, it's like we've got buzzwords like red flags, yeah. gaslighting, and we need to be really careful and like not like throw these words around yeah. because they're very fucking serious. Yeah, absolutely. And like people often say about red flags, and you know, we'll be having in the group chat, whatever the WhatsApp group chat, and people will be like, oh God, he's a red flag. Mm. And I'm going, no, but he actually is a red flag. And people are going, well, what's a red flag to you? Like people joke about red flags mm. and like, absolutely yeah within a group chat that's fine but when you're being really serious about it like you see an awful lot of people going oh no he's a red flag um and it's basically it's not just a toxic trait you have everyone has toxic traits but you know some people have it worse than others and the people that have it worse than others typically are abusers who will basically say like i have i said to people all the time i have a traffic light system so like you could be chatting to someone and you could have a green uh, flag an orange flag and a red flag the easiest way to explain it is that a green flag is that 
he doesn't manipulate you. He doesn't speak to you in a derogatory and threatening way. He doesn't threaten you. He doesn't hit you. Um, obviously, that's you know the main one. Um, so anything like that, if you don't get that good feeling, that vibe, because it's very hard to kind of separate the head from the heart. Um, and I always say then, with your orange flags, if you feel, okay, that didn't sound right to me, then it kind of moves to orange. And then when you're really in the red zone, you're kind of going, okay, well, he didn't hit me, but he's after saying I can't go here, there and everywhere. He's checking my phone. That's like warning signs as if to say, you need to get out now. But the thing about it is, someone's not just going to walk away because, as we're, as I said, we're human. We're not just going to get up and leave because you tend to um, basically develop a bond with this person who you think is never going to hurt you, but they actually end up doing that. So it's actually even harder to walk away when you're trying to tell yourself no. Mm. You know? And then they would have groomed you. Mm. That's a huge thing because you've gone into this relationship. So what they have done probably initially is love-bombed you. You're adorable. You're amazing. Oh, you're the best person I've ever met. You're in. You're locked in. You're tied in. As I say, you've made your prison cell. They have you tied in. And when we would say to different victims, has he hit you? Ah, oh, no, no. He, he or she just pushed me or pinched me or shoved me. That is domestic violence. No matter what way you look at it, pinch, hurt, anything, shove be rough that is domestic violence um forcing sex within the marriage or within the relationship that's not allowed and unfortunately victims as amy said it's all these long words that people don't understand and they're afraid to i suppose break down those words and this is when we always say Come and talk to us. If you don't understand something, come and talk to us. Or you might be unsure you're in a relationship that's toxic. You mightn't even know you're in it. Yeah. And you're probably saying, no, he's going to change. Or she's going to change. No, he's on medication now. No, she's on medication now. They're going to change. Everything's going to be grand. But it gets worse. Because they try and take control. And they have this... Um, then they take... What I used to find really frustrating. They take away your capabilities of making decisions within the marriage. I used to hear this, that used to send me spare, and it's only lately dawned to me that I came back. So you can't pay a bill. You wouldn't know what it is to pay a bill. I pay all the bills here. And I, I, I sort of, I'd nearly say, well, yeah, he does, but I never asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think you question yourself. And that Pull that in a little bit too, really. You question yourself a little bit as well because you're kind of going, well, what did I do without you before I married you? Mm. I think that's where a lot of women and a lot of men lose their confidence and they lose their intelligence because that's what abusers tend to go for. They, they go for independent people. And when you look at yourself 20 years ago and you say, I used to be out in the tiles, I used to look right. And you kind of go, what happened? I let this person walk into my life and I let this person control me. What was I doing before I met this person? And when you start thinking about all these things before you met this person, that's your warning sign and that's another red flag. I'll ask people on TikTok, if um, anyone's on TikTok and they can't hear, if just let us know that you can, one, you can hear us, or two, if you have any questions at all or any comments, please put them in here. Um, do you know what you just said, Priscilla, that is literally at a frightening the life out of me? Love bombing and grooming. 
Serious. Grooming. I would never associate. I never, I love bombing. Because people, again, are thrown that word around. Yeah. He's, I love bombing her. He's love bombing her. Yeah. We're grooming. Yeah. But that's what they do. And even, even when people are in a relationship, right? Like, my ex love bombed me and groomed me. And he was the far side of the world. So he held on to me so that he would have me when he came back after spending nine months away. So he was still able to control me in such a faraway distance. Yet he was in another relationship that I had no idea about. None whatsoever. And it's then afterwards, you would think it and you'd say, ah, no, sure, he wouldn't do that. He's not like that. Sure, he does. There's no way would they do that to you. Absolutely, they are so capable of doing it. And they're not capable of having one woman or two women or three. They're capable of having four to five. I, I experienced um, domestic violence years ago. Well, not, and domestic abuse, I would say, years ago. It, was, it wasn't actually me that experienced firsthand, but I was in the room where it happened. Um, we were all sitting there and my friend made our boyfriend a cup of tea, mm. a cup of coffee, and he fucked it down the sink. Make that again. Yeah. And we all went, that's not right, make that again. And that was the first, like, flashing yeah. red flag in our faces. And we were like, and I said to the girls after, did you hear him tell to make that coffee again? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Do you think everything's all right there? Yeah, you know, and then later on we were like, the story there and to be getting dressed and ready to go and we all we all went out all the time to one particular place you're not wearing that top you're wearing that top out tonight or we'd arrive and he'd be there already and to be murder i have to go home yeah i have to go home i have to get changed i shouldn't have wore this top is it all right i mean oh no hang on and sit there with a jacket on her all night and you're like why are you sitting there with your jacket on? Oh no, is that you said this top's horrible on me. And I used to live in fear, and this is another thing that used to get to me. Um, same, we had no babysitter, and he'd say he'd babysit, and say I was going out with my parents, because I worked obviously in the family business. I'd be sitting having a, like say having a meal or having a drink with my parents, and I'd actually be afraid to look at my phone. Where are you? Three minutes later, where are you? Are you not fucking coming home? This is your fucking home. Why are you still out with your mother and father? Did you not spend enough years with them? Is 30 years not long enough to spend your mother? What about me as a husband? What about your child? You're a useless cunt of a mother. And this would go on. That is gaslighting. The constant texting, ringing. And the sweat would drip down out of my hands. And my mother would say, you are right. Yeah, I'm just roasted. It's very warm. And I say, I'm going to go. I don't feel well. And she deep down I was so stupid to allow it to happen because it was never. But I had to please him because my fear was if I didn't please him, Amy would have to witness what he was going to do. Yeah. Like, there was just no way I didn't want her to witness it. Yet she remembers it. So She remembers so much of it as a child. But there's so many victims, men and women out there, but especially women, that are sitting probably listening to this with their earphones on or their whatever on 
and they're holding their kids close to their heart and they know they're in an abusive relationship and their biggest fear is what and how am I going to get out of this? He's going to kill me before he get. They can't kill you because if you plan it, they can't kill you. And if you put things into place, they can't kill you. But the biggest problem is that these, I'm going to say this, I could be shot for saying it, mothers and their sons. And I, I, and I never had a son, unfortunately, just at the one girl. But there's a lot of mothers out there that don't take responsibility for the behaviour of their sons. Mm. And they've allowed them to get away with it. And probably mothers and their daughters or fathers and their daughters, whatever the case may be, but they've allowed them. So there's no, there's no accountability for their behaviour at home. Um, you would see, especially if there has been domestic violence in the in their home when they were growing up, they carry that through, but they would always be extremely close to the mother. Mm-hmm. They would be behind the mother's apron strings because they would have remembered what the mother went through. But that isn't us wives or husbands, our responsibility to take on the type of shit life they've had Mm. because their mother chose not to leave or any mother or father chose not to leave a domestic violence and didn't break the cycle. And that's where it is. If you don't break the cycle, it's there forever. And I think a lot of people don't want to break the cycle of a broken home. They came from a broken home. They came from their parents' family. And now, all of a sudden, I'm going to put my child through a broken... And they don't want to break the silence. But break the silence or, or break the cycle or break your bloody life. Like, and you know? I said to someone last week, they were talking about, oh God, I never want my child to, to grow up without a dad. And I said, I'm going to stop you there for a minute. I said, we come into this world, I said, and what we know is mom and dad. What we're rare to know, obviously it's different for different scenarios, but for me, what I knew was mom and dad i was where to look up look up to mom and dad if a father will say has left before the child is born right and that child grows up and doesn't even know the word dad they don't know any different because they've all been told mom mother mm-hmm. that's all they know so when this someone said to me the other day um i never want my child to grow up without the father and i turned around and i said but why would you rather grow up in a violent household, I said, and your child maybe one falls for the cracks and end up in care because that's probably the worst thing that can ever happen to a child. Two, grow up in a broken home and end up on the streets and become an addict. Or three, I said, grow up and actually be an abuser. And they kind of went, "Do you know what? That makes so much sense." And I said, "We all want this perfect life." I said, "Why? Because of society." I said, "And because we all want the good life." But no one is perfect. Everyone wants the life of mom, dad, kids, putting up pictures, going out. No one's perfect. Not every home, you know, every home has problems. And it doesn't matter whether you have mom and dad or just mom. I always say at the end of the day, the universe has plans for a lot of people. And for some reason, we get put through an awful lot of things in life that we shouldn't do. But if it's meant to just be mom and child, that's the way it's going to be. But you give your child double love. So when you break it down and you talk about it that way, you know, people, I think, don't realise sometimes that, you know what, I'd have a better life. Yeah, 
the money that you're taking in your income mightn't be as good but at the end of the day it's not down to money it's down to your children and if you don't have any kids it's down to you as a parent you know and even like say for example father's day coming up on sunday yeah and i remember the first couple of years i would have encouraged Janie to send a father's day card why do we do that (laughs) well i didn't want any or I suppose I didn't want Amy to think that I was trying to alienate her from her father, and I I thought it was very important. But of course, he never got the Father's Day card; they never arrived. So immediately, I got the blame. Now she wrote it, and I posted it, or my mother posted it. So we just gave up doing it. So we then obviously Amy forgot about about father, so we shouldn't forget about it. It would obviously hurt her to think that she didn't have a dad that she could share Father's Day with, but he wasn't the right dad to share with. And I used to say, well, then give me Father's Day. So that's what we say on... Did you get Mother's Day? That's <laughs> yeah, get Mother's Day. That's a battle to even get Mother's Day. We won't go there. <laughs> but it is, like, it's just... And it's only a matter... It's just that little thought, like, we would stick up on Sunday night for Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the mummies out there and happy Father's Day to all the daddies out there who are real dads. Because there's so many really good dads out there Mm -hmm. that are there to help and support their children. Um, They might be living in the same house, but going back to when you asked the question, Dolphin House is getting worse. It's bursting at the seams. I was talking to a girl down in Carlo today courts are packed um, I don't know where it's all going to end I was talking to someone who was in Dolphin House and a couple of different guests and one of them was like it's fucking mental because you can hear everybody's conversation oh yeah, it's dreadful. right beside you so, so you might have someone in dire straight she said like there was a couple killing each other yeah like literally screaming, you scumbag, you bitch, you this, you that, you wait, you wait. And she's, and then you have someone rattling yeah. beside you because our abuser just walked in the door. But like for anyone that has never been in Dolphin House, explain it. You're blessed to actually have never stepped foot in there. It's not fit for purpose. And our government, it, it clearly just goes over their heads because I don't know why they are not doing a proper court. You walk in, and this is no joke, you couldn't write this, Rebecca. When you walk in, to the left-hand side, there is, um, like, uh, two lanes, right? And there's three hut things. And the security guard, there's a lovely guy down there, and he'll hand you an application form. What are you applying for? And on the application form, it'll have name, date of birth, any dependent children. What are you applying for? And it's a, it'll say, protection slash safety, barren order. Let's say it's for domestic abuse. And you're going... What do these even mean? Like, these don't come with an explanation. So you, you go up to the counter. And you say, what do I do with this? And the court clerks behind the counter are lovely. They'll help you, no problem. But, like, if you were genuinely don't want to speak to anyone, you just want to go in yourself and fill it out, you wouldn't have a clue. Like, you say you fill out barren order. And everyone hears barren order and they think, yeah, domestic abuse. Whereas safety orders are not as prominent. Like, we don't talk about safety orders an awful lot. Whereas you hear barren orders, oh, go to the courts and get a barren order. You mightn't have grounds for one. This is where I always say, you have to have your knowledge first in order to know what they mean before applying for something. So when you're putting down barren order, barren order means 
for the respondent who's the abuser. So in layman's terms, when you go into court, it will say applicant will say a woman is applying for a barren order. Respondent is, let's say, the man. He's responding to the applicant being the mother, right? And a barren order basically means um, that the respondent, who is the abuser, has to leave the home, which will be served as a summons by the Gardaí. And he cannot put in fear, he can't threaten, molest, or um, target the um, applicant, being the mother, um, and or dependent children, dependent children, anyone minor under the age of 18. So he has to leave the home straight away. The Gardaí then would accompany him to leave the home. Um, that barren order you will get for a maximum eight days. It's an interim barren order. So a maximum of eight days, right? What? Mm. Eight days. So interim means not for long periods of time, right? So after eight days, if it has all gone to plan and the guards have served the order, the applicant being the mother and the father being the respondent has to go back into court and the judge then decides whether the applicant who's the mother has grounds for a barring order and that he should leave the home. Now, in Ireland, a barren order is the hardest order to get. So in an ideal world, you go in, you get your barren order, you come back out, and then you get your one, two, three, whatever amount of years the judge feels you have grounds for a, for a barren order. During that time of them eight days, you either represent yourself going in, I would never recommend that, or you find a family law solicitor, you're handed a list, and if you can apply for legal aid... So I will talk about legal aid a little bit later on, but that's what you need and your backup evidence. So when you're reading that form, you're going, Baron order, what's that? That's how much it entails. Then you're like, okay, well, we don't live together, but we have kids together, but he keeps threatening me or he keeps at me and I need to get away from him. Safety order. So you're going, what's a safety order? Safety order is the same as a barren order, but you can live together. So, mother who applies for safety order, basically, um, he can't molest you, put you in fear, threaten you, use any harmful words. So, basically the same as the barren order. They both cover each other, but with, bar- with safety orders, you can live together. So, obviously, that's very hard. You're walking on eggshells at home. Like, imagine being at home and having a court order against you. You can't look at each other. You can't speak to each other in a bad way because class is a breach, you know? Why would the person stay in the home? Because they mightn't have anywhere to go. We don't have a refuge in every county in Ireland, so they may have no choice. They may have no family. Um, it could be their home. It could be the mother's home. They mightn't be married, but she mightn't have grounds for a barren order. The abuse might be, mightn't be that bad. It might be has just that he has used threatening words towards her or he has abused the kids. Um, now, more than likely, nine times out of ten, the respondent, be the father, will have breach the order so you don't get a safety order straight away like you do with the baron you get a protection order at this moment in time when you get a protection order you could be waiting six to eight months for a hearing in dolphin house that's how bad next it's of, gone. next november at the moment yeah, for hearing for hearing so in that time you have to live together and walk on eggshells so you actually couldn't write it so when you're looking through that form you're going to have no idea what i'm for here and the court clerks will ask you, depending on your situation, do you live together? If you don't, what are you applying for? You then get a summons. It'll say summons for a safety order. You then have to write out a protection order information sheet as to why you're applying for an order. You then wait. Your initials are called. Sorry, just to stop you there, Any. 
while you're writing that out, you have to walk up the laneway. You have to get two copies photocopied in the shoe shop, the hardware shop, up the laneway at Dolphin House. They don't There's have no facilities in Dolphin House yeah. for photocopying. Sorry, but that's... And when you then are waiting to hear your initials being heard, in Dolphin House, it's like rows of plastic chairs back to back. So, like, you'll hear... Um, case 1234 of 2023 initials RK versus PK to court 20 on your own oh Jesus that's me but then in another corner you have a barrister and someone else speaking about their case you can hear that going on you're going, you're going oh Jesus that's actually terrible what that poor lady's going through hope she's okay then in another corner you have some fella sitting there giving out because he can't see his kids and tools that are involved so there's so many different things well, sure, you could be sitting there with your next to your abuser. He could be eyeing you up, looking at you, and threatening you. The only way to never sit downstairs in Dolphin House, they have private rooms upstairs on the second and third floor. And unless you know Dolphin House inside out, like myself and my mom and people who have been in there numerous amounts of times, you would have no idea what you're going in there for. So that's Dolphin House in a nutshell. When you're sitting there, then your initials are called. You don't know what a judge is going to turn around and say to you. And when you go upstairs to the court and your initials are called, you sit there and the judge goes to you, well, why are you applying for an order? And you explain. But you're actually so just not with it because you're in the middle of all of this. You never know what to say, I think. Now, I have never, thank God, ever had to go in and make an application for a protection order or a barren order. I've never had to. But my mum has. Yeah, and I mean, that was going back in 2007. I went in. And it's no different. It's no different. It's actually worse. Um, and I made the application myself, went in, spoke with the judge. Judge granted to me, gave me a protection order. It was served on him. And he was, I was very lucky. He was gone from the home at that point. So went back in, I think it was about three months later. For safety, and he never showed up, so I got it in default to him not being there. He breached it um, in 2011. He breached it with a threat to kill, and I had a major problem for the guards to arrest him. We had another. It was like going round looking for him. We would ring Cabra, we'd ring Blanchester Guard Station. Yeah, he's after driving down the Navarre Road, or he's down the Super Value, or he's such and such. And here's my mother saying to me, what are we doing the job with the guards for? This is just not acceptable. Um, and I told the guards one day, you'll get him down at the credit union in Villa Park, down the road from us. He goes down to the credit union on a Friday between half ten and twelve o'clock. Guarantee it. I'll go down in another car and I'll ring you when he's there. I rang him. Oh, we've no car in the area. <gasps> this used to go on and on and eventually... Um, we had to take matters into our own hands and ring the chief super and said that if this is not dealt, we're going further. And he was eventually arrested by appointment hmm. and he handed himself into Blanche Tanker. But he knew he did wrong. Yeah. He yeah. knew he threatened to murder me. Yeah. Um, and but it's even like when you come out of there, you're going, right, so let's just say in an ideal world, yeah, you're after being granted a baron or safety order. That's grand. You go back in whenever you're given your court date. There's no support there, Amy. No, but the thing about it is, I think a lot of people, when they go in, they don't say they're not granted an order. 
a judge could turn around and say, you haven't got grounds for an order. And most of the time, a judge is not going to tell you, you know, go into detail as to why. He will just say, I'm sorry, you don't have grounds for one. Everyone gets ticket the judges. And I cannot stress enough, and I say this all the time, I see it all over social media. Why are you having a personal target about the judges? It's not the judges. The judges have a law to abide by. They can't go against that law. And what I always say is, if you get angry, get angry at the law. But if you don't get an order, build, go, go home as hard as it is. And I know that's easier said than done. Go home and start building up your evidence. And then go back in and more than likely you will get an order. How do you build up the evidence? So by building up your evidence. So say, for instance, you keep a diary every day. So in that diary, you put your date. If abuse happens, you say... Um, just something like this, like a diary. That, yeah. So you just put, even if you're nervous of putting full things in, put in codes what they mean yeah. and then extend it on an email to a friend or to whoever, but that you're building up yeah. your evidence, literally. Yeah. So when you have the diary... Um, now, to be honest... A diary is basically like your own spiel of what has happened. But you need to back that up with evidence. Now, to be honest, a lot of people don't think of video recording, recording the way they speak to you. So verbally, that will stand to you in court. Audio recordings. And a lot of the time abusers will say, you can't record me, that's illegal. It's not when you're looking for a safety order or a barn order. Um, any videos, anything to do with abuse, abuse of children, um, anything that he says threatening text messages that's the one thing and threatening voice messages that's what's going to get you your order and in time you will build yourself up and you may forget sometimes but that's how you're going to obtain your order um so th- that is kind of just the array of what an order is and what the process of dolphin house is and just to step in there there was a case there the weekend girl contacted us and um she hadn't heard from her um abuser in eight years and he happened to arrive back on the scene. And she said to me, I'm going to go and get a safety order. And I said, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to get that. He has not been in contact with you. And I said, then the judge is not going to give it. He's not going to give you a safety order. You have protection at the moment. You're not going to get it. I said, what evidence have you that he's put you in fear? Well, like he did X, Y, and Z when I was with him before. But I said, he could have been reformed. Right, and, and I said, I know you're going to get an item. So I just happened to say to her, has he threatened anybody else? Was this year Christmas he threatened my daughter and told her that, that's enough, says I, once he's threatened your daughter because she's under the age of 18. Um, that's enough. And then she, she said, he sent me a text, told me I was dead. But like, that's normal. That's evidence. She went into court and she got a five-year safety order yesterday. Yeah. Because she had it in writing. She had it in writing. I know of one person who was trying to... What's the word? Egg the person on to get something in writing off him. But that can be a bit dangerous as well, can't it? Would the judge say... Yeah, like the judge would say, do you know what? Sometimes in in family law, and it's very difficult for, for genuine people who really need the orders... They'll actually go in and they'll say, well, he said this to me. But then what was your reply? You either threatened him or her even more. So actually, there's a pair of you in it here. You can't basically turn around and say, well, he threatened to hit me or kill me. He threatened to kill me. But also, I turned around and I called him a see you next Tuesday. Yeah. 
Mm. Like that is not the way it works. And a judge is not going to grant you an order because of that. That's where you need to step back and hold your tongue and say, okay, I'm going to let him keep at it. I'm going to let him keep texting me. I know it's so hard to not be angry. Of course you're going to be angry, but that doesn't look good for you. If you're calling him and see you next Tuesday and he goes to apply for an order, do you mm. know? So it does. It kind of works both ways. Obviously, if if it's the man, he's entitled to go for an order. If you turn around to him and say, you're going to see you next Tuesday or whatever. Do you know, if it's name calling, it's not just all women who are entitled for orders. It's men too, you know? It's like... It's an array of just... So well, many things. But as Amy said, it is, it is very doable, right? Mm. And like Dolphin House is, to me, it's a horrible place. Yeah, it's not fit, fit for, for purpose. purpose. Mm. Like, I, I just don't understand. We have amazing buildings closed up by the OPW where they should be reopened and there should be a little play area. We, we, we've done more proposals to the government. Mm. There should be a crash where children are supervised and looked after. There should be a proper changing area for babies. Babies have been brought in as young as three weeks old, two weeks old, mm. into Dolphin House. Yeah. Um, like, there should be an area where you can make, where someone can go and have a cup of tea, a photocopy machine. Like, come on, you can buy photocopy machines for a hundred quid. Yeah. But you go down the side laneway, and the chances are, if your abuser is in court the same day as you, he'll follow you and abuse you mm. while you're going down the laneway for photocopying. We're living in the Stone Age. Yeah. And then as well, I think a lot of people, when if they are looking to apply for any form of order, in the back of their head, all they think is, oh my God, Till's going to take my child, Till's going to take my child. That is the one thing I can't, when I, when I talk about orders, Till's are not going to take your kids off you if you work with them. If you voluntarily, voluntarily ring Till's and you say, listen, I need a social worker on board. I'm going in to apply for an order. I feel that I'm strong enough now. I know my children have probably witnessed abuse and I'm sorry that I couldn't do it before, but I'm strong enough now to do it. Can you work with me and help me so that if it ever is a case that he tries to abuse me again or goes to apply for access that I have you on my side? So many social workers that I know and that I have worked with before have said that's the one thing that we love when parents actually come to us and ask for help. That's exactly what they're there for because I know people don't like hearing the word social worker in Tulsa. It scares the crap out of them. Mm. And of course it will because you hear so many stories about children being taken into care. And the only reason children are taken into care in this country is that if it's relatively needed, you know, if it's if the kids are in severe danger, that's when your kids are going to be taken into care. Um, so if it's an instance where you have no thought for going in and getting an order and you think, no, it's going to stop, that's when Tulsa will step in and do a welfare check. It mightn't even be... Um, Tulsa who find out it could be a neighbour it could be a bystander it could be a family member or even most importantly the guardian they could do a welfare check and say this child or children they're not safe in this home and I think we need to do a welfare check and it's probably the hardest thing for a social worker to ever take kids off someone but they're doing it for the right reasons until you mentally bring yourself together and say I have to get out of this you know do you find both of you that you have to be very matter of fact with people well, no, not really. Like, I would break it down into layman's terms, but the one thing that I always say to people is, I'm going to be honest with you, and if you don't like it, that's grand. Mm. But people love that. They love the way me and my mom are so honest. And 
there's no point in sugarcoating it because as I said before domestic abuse is sugarcoated so much in this country so why should we say oh we better watch now how Mary or Joey reacts to this mm. why do we have to do that if people are genuinely looking for help and advice they will genuinely listen to you and say no do you know what I know Priscilla and Amy we're not legally qualified and I say that to everyone we're not solicitors we're not barristers we go on the advice and the experience that we have used before we're matter of fact when we come to, when it comes to what we think so if we think you have done wrong and that you shouldn't um have a safety order or a barn order we will tell you straight out we will say well no i think you were wrong in doing that but people need to hear that mm-hmm. all the time and we would be we're extremely honest with people and we will tell them we will tell them straight out if they don't have the grounds or what we would say is right have you reported this to the guards well, I'm afraid because his brother or his sister works in the guards. That is nothing to be afraid of. What you go down is you go down, you ask them to write it in the book. Okay. Because this is what I did initially. You go down and you ask to write it in the book. You get the name of the guards. You get their ID number on their shoulder. It's always on their shoulder. Or on their shirt lapel. And you ask them for their ID number. You go home, you write in your diary. Notice a threat or notice X, Y, and Z. Um, because that's really important. You're building evidence there. That's your evidence of building up. You're, you're literally getting your little blocks and you're building them step by step by step. Then when you go down the road for court, you then have all of this that you can go back and say, well, I contacted the guards on such and such a date. We have a girl at the moment um, and it's now left the family court, thank God. It's gone to the Central Criminal Court. 53 charges pending. 53 charges. Domestic violence, sexual violence, emotional coercive control, um, you name it. This is probably going to be one of our biggest cases. She's asked um, myself to go to court with her. Um, it's in camera, so she's she's not away from anonymity. She, it'll be because she has a lot of children, and she doesn't want them to be affected. They've been affected by it as it is. On Christmas Eve, he never paid the maintenance, and she rang me. Now, this girl had an amazing job, highly skilled, what she did. Right up there. Um... But he took control of her. And she rang us on Christmas Eve and she said, I'm Priscilla, I'm, I'm in the shit here. And I said, what's wrong? She said, the bastard never paid the maintenance in. I thought he might have paid it today. And a family not too far away from us had donated, and we were laughing the day before because we always have drinks the Friday before Christmas. We go out, make we for his wife any of the volunteers that has helped us in Calibre, we'd all go out and have a couple of drinks. And I got a phone call and it was, we have a £50 turkey. And Big said, it's a fucking juggernaut we need for the turkey. <laughs> so we took it. So we were joking mm. and said, Mick, you better go up. It's a lead I need to put him on and bring him down the nap and roll. And we took, that girl, we got the turkey. That girl arrived up to the house. And she said she, what she had done was, she had gone to Dunn's that morning. I've done it. She went to the special offer aisle. She hid chicken fillets 
behind popcorn in a freezer bag so that she could come back and get them when she got a few bob. And I said, no, you're not, you're not eating chicken fillets. I said, for we had the turkey, we'd ham, we'd popcorn. That girl put her arms around Jane and myself and she just cried and she just said, I'll never be, I said, there's nothing to thank us for. That's what we're here for. And I think it's for me, I know for you, it's because it's nearly a woman at the same age, like you can relate. But I think for me, when I was looking at them kids, I was going, oh my God, I just want to take them and bundle them up and just make sure they're safe. I think it was because for me as a child that I didn't like, my mom tried to protect as much as possible. I didn't have any siblings. Whereas the poor kids were probably sitting there going, like, what has mom, why has mom had to do this this year? And like, what's going on with dad? And asking all these questions to each other. Whereas like, I never asked questions, did I? I think I just... Well, it was always, I suppose like, in our situation, I covered it up so well. You know, when she was younger, I covered it up so well. But I got to the point that I was just, I was tired covering it up. Um. Uh, and that girl, you know, she said to me only she calls up to see me every two weeks, um, and she just it breaks my heart when she calls to see me, and she's she's helping me at the moment and she's distributing leaflets around the area and she's really helping stop domestic violence. She's an amazing girl, and she just turned around and she said to me, "I hope you're not going to be insulted if I ask you to come to court with me," and I said, "I'm honoured." She says there's going to be 52 charges at least. I reckon he's going to go down for about 10 years. Fingers fucking crossed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least 10 years. But the damage he has done to this girl. Yeah. But the way she is now, a lot of people think, how am I ever going to get there? So obviously going back to when you do have an order and you're going, oh my God, I have to wait six months to be heard in court. That's the time where you go and you get a solicitor. Never represent yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. You may think you're able for it. No one is ever able to stand in front of a judge and say, yeah, no, he has done what he's done to me. Where's your evidence? Well, I, ha- I have it all here and I'm telling you, that's, that just does not make, make it happen at all to, make it, to have an order, to obtain an order. Um, so when you do have a solicitor, the solicitor will generally ask you for your summons, um, your evidence, text messages, things to support it, and then obviously they'll do a consultation. After that, then, you make a legal aid application. So with legal aid, it's basically like a payment for your solicitor. So it's a pink slip. When you're filling it out, it is pretty straightforward because it's all personal to you and what you need. Um, the threshold is approximately 18,000 a year. So if you're under 18,000, you generally will qualify for it. If you're over that by a small amount, they you kind of you have a chat with them and see what they say. But if you're completely over that, you will have to pay a solicitor privately. Um, it could be starting anywhere from 600 plus fat to 800 plus fat. It just depends on your application. Um, and then obviously you start to gather all your evidence together. So this is where what we do, we come in. I think a lot of people say, are they just talking about domestic abuse or what do they actually do? So where we come in is that someone will contact me and say, I have um, an order um, over here and on the 3rd of July and what do I need to do? So I'll sit down with that person and say, okay, when you wrote in your protection order information sheet, what evidence have you got to back that, back that up? So we'd nearly hold your hand and help you, bring you along 
to show you what exactly you need um we personally I don't think and I know anyway I've never had anyone that has never not obtained a safety order whatever about a barren order barren order is a whole different kettle of fish but I've always had someone get at least a one-year safety order um and that's probably because we bring them through and we know we know what to tell them to what to give for orders and that you have everything in place and that you have your evidence to back it up so that's generally what you do for legal aid application and I think after that then when you're building yourself up for all of that you're kind of going well what next what do I do now that he's gone because you're so used to all of this abuse happening you don't know what to do with yourself and you're going right what do I do do I go back to bringing the kids to school you're going looking at your home and going right he's gone now so what do I do and you build yourself back up day by day. Get a little bit of counselling. You know, start to build yourself back up. Um, get your kids a little bit of counselling because obviously kids have witnessed a lot. Um, and about six months later, let's say you get an, a summons through the door for access. He wants to see the kids. And ultimately, I think a lot of parents will go, oh my God, he's not seeing my child. And you go into fire flight mode. And as a mother, obviously people go, no, he's not seeing my child after what he did to me. It's very hard for people to hear that every person is entitled to see their kids, no matter what type of person they are. There is rapists, there's paedophiles out there who are entitled to see their kids within reason. They're not going to just, their child's not going to be just handed over to them. Um, you supervised access out there. You've core with your supervised access Ireland there through the courts. Um, you can supervise it yourself. I never recommend that if you do have an order against someone. Um, people often say to me, how like how much access do you think he should get? And I often say, well, if you have a five-year safety order, that takes the children into consideration. So if he has abused the children before that, he's not going to take them kids for overnights or four or five hours on his own. If he, if you feel he genuinely, let's say, has an addiction, um, has a drug addiction, addicted to drink, whatever it is. There is different routes about going with it. So, like, you have the likes of hair follicle tests. You have the likes of if you see him under the influence, if he has been convicted of drink driving before. All that comes into it. So, everyone's case is different. But, obviously, have a chat with me and my mom, and we'll explain the different things to because I said everyone's case is different and you don't know which is which. When someone, when a father applies for access, you're given what it's called a statement of arrangements, and it's basically what he would like to see his children what days or whatever and you're the respondent and you respond back to that again you have to have your evidence you can't just say no on every single thing you have to say why and you have to have your evidence like the safety and barren order you have to back it up um then another thing is maintenance if a mother is applying for maintenance can i ask you on the access thing right so where you have a situation where you know that there was drinking involved there was drink driving there was you know under the influence of alcohol while looking after your kid while you were with him yeah and now all of a sudden you're not with him anymore yeah and you're like well he's not getting my child see a lot of people will try and use that against them and say well he's not getting my child but it was okay for him to do it when you were together no, you can't just blame him now. You allowed him to do that. But I also understand that mentally you probably weren't with it also. I totally get that. So what I always suggest is 
you can bring that in but don't be guaranteed the judge won't give you a slap on the wrist for allowing your child in that in that circumstance or situation you know he's not just going to get a slap on the wrist for you know drink driving if you knew he was doing that previously why didn't you take your child out of that situation no matter whether you're afraid of him or not if you could have taken your child out of that situation before that if he was ever physically abusive to you or if he wasn't if he was mentally or you said to your child no go on upstairs I'm having a chat with your dad if you can do that there well then I'd be asking the question as to why didn't you do that before or why are you not doing that now you know Mm -hmm. that would be the question I'd always ask and a lot of the time people would turn around and say well I wasn't thinking and you kind of go well you can't use that in court because it doesn't make you look good if you allowed that to happen previously okay you know and then why would you not recommend self-supervised vision like so let's just say if something if a marriage or a relationship doesn't work out and there's no violence whatsoever and the father decides i want to see my child and goes to a court to make application if you can't agree on access that's fine um if there is no violence which most 90 percent of the time that's never the case um and you meet up or whatever and it's never been through court that's fine you can do that yourself but because you'll trust the father but if you have someone that has abused you that has abused your children um you tend to go into really protective mode and you go well he's not seeing my kids why are you not allowed to see your kids because he has abused me and abused my kids he's hit me and he's hit my kids too slow involved hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And you say, right, okay. And... What evidence do you have to back up that 
he ha- he has an addiction or he's drugs or drink addiction or whatever and you say well he's been convicted of drink driving he's off the road for five years that's one form of it right second one then is um drugs if he is an addict and he's on drugs he's not fit to care for children so when um say someone goes and applies for access and says i want to take my child overnights you wouldn't give your child to a babysitter or a stranger that you don't know so why would you do the same for a father i always say to people don't supervise yourself people go but why i'm the child's mother you're hardly going to want to sit there with someone who's abused you, who five years saved order against. He's going to be constantly putting you in fear and threatening you. There's another breach during access. There's no point in sitting there and you supervising the access when you can't say anything. And if he did, does say something, you automatically go, well, you shouldn't have said that. Then it comes into an argument. So that's why I'd never recommend it for a mother to do it. Family member as well don't recommend it. I don't see why family members need to get involved in court. Because everyone has their difference of opinions. And when family comes into it, a lot of the time, family tend to turn around and say, well, I think you should do this. And I've taken it upon myself to do this. No. It's the mother, the father, and the child or children. And that's the way it should be. No one else should be making these decisions in court. If it's a court order, you abide by the court order. So for supervised access, I always say, if a father wants to see his child and he has, i.e. drug, drink, addictions, whatever it is, let the court decide majority of the time supervised access are in the core so they're basically appointed by the courts and they are essentially social workers that will go to the access with the child or children and sit there and fill out a report you're not allowed to speak about a uh, court you're not allowed to speak about the mother or father whoever it may be in any way shape or form um i'm not allowed to speak about um what's going on with access and your mommy has me here and your mommy is this, your mommy is that. They're not allowed to do this. That's why they have supervisors, basically. And them supervisors do reports. Like, realistically, a mother is not going to sit there or a granny is not going to sit there and not say nothing. That's what I'm saying. Like, could you, know you imagine, mean? so you're after being with someone who's gaslight, yeah. gaslit, you love bombed you, abusive to you, and then you're going to go and have supervised access yeah. and you're the one who's going to sit there. Yeah. They're going to lo- blow you into that false yeah. sense of security yeah. again. Like, you know, you look great. How are you? Oh, did you change your hair? Yeah. And you're going to sit there and you're going to feel so vulnerable and you're going to go, geez, he's being nice to me. Well, I go and cancel this five-year safety order. Nah, this is why I say you don't do that because if they could gaslight you beforehand, now you have a child together, they can gaslight you again. So that's why I always say don't supervise it. Like, I had a case a couple of weeks ago and I said to the lady, I said, who are you going to get to supervise the access? Are you going to say supervise access Ireland for, let's say, eight weeks and then see how the access goes? Mm. And she's like, no, my mom's going to supervise it. I said, why is your mom supervising it? Well, if no one else. I said, so is your mom going to sit there? I said, and just completely not talk and keep her mouth shut. Well, I don't know. I said, so it's okay for the court to warn him not to speak about you in a derogatory way, but your mom can sit there and speak to him that way. I said, I don't think that's a good idea. And she's like, well, we'll see how it goes. I said, no problem. I knew it was going to be an issue. And she came back and she said, yeah, no, um, I uh, ended up um, having to go back in and vary the access. My mom can't do it anymore. She has her own life. And I'm going, this is exactly why I say no. And there is cases where people genuinely don't have any family to do it. And I say, let him pay for the access. And I know a lot of fathers will turn around and say, well, why should I have to pay the access? 
or the applicant. So do they have to pay account. for that supervised? Yeah, it's, okay. you have to pay for it, um, for a report to be there. But if you genuinely care for your children's welfare and you want to build back up a relationship with your children, you will pay any money in the world to protect mm. your kids. Mm. So that's why, you know. I just think, I do think it is mad that some women are, or maybe men, whatever, women mainly, are going on those visits, like, and sitting there. I and think it's, like, sometimes more, like, well, he abused me. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Yeah. I'm like, stop. stop. And and sometimes, and, and again, could be hammer for saying this, sometimes parents use their kids as pawns. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with the kids. It's nothing to do with the kids. Your job as a parent is to protect your child. Um, and I do believe that a lot of them use their, their children as pawns. Um, I wouldn't have... I obviously encouraged access. It didn't happen. Um, and my mum had offered to do it, but she wouldn't sit in the room. She'd sit where she could see Amy, but that wasn't accepted either. But it's unfair if the children to be used as pawns. Yeah. It's not okay because the behaviour then is like, well, mum's speaking to dad this way during access and dad's speaking to mum. Like, there's no point in trying to argue over it. I know you want to get one up on him after he's abused you. But let it go. Let it go through the criminal process. Mm. You know, let the charges happen. Um, so it is. It's just... And do you find even then just with breakups? Mm. or someone an adulterer or something like yeah. that and then people going for access and getting access and going to them and they're hoping oh well, maybe i'm going to dress nice today and i'm going to mm. put a face on and like this is what we said earlier there's no point in trying to look good now regardless of the way you look your weight your height your hair he's still going to abuse you no matter what because he just thinks he has full control of you they don't change so they don't change and you're not going to change them and I drill that into people's heads day in, day out. How are you going to change him? He came into this relationship like this. It wasn't because you made him like this. He came in like this. And he's even worse coming out of it. But he has basically dragged you along with him. And made you feel like that. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in trying to fix things or mend things. Because he's just going to keep at you and at you and at you. And then you're going, well, why is this happening to me? You have to take a step back and say... Why am I letting this, allowing this to continue? Mm. You have to take the step and say, my choice here is either protect my children or try and change someone. You can't change anyone. Mm. You're either rare to know you don't abuse someone or either you're rare to know what I'm going to do, what I want and I don't care. And it's very like that again. You know, protect your child. Or keep putting yourself into this situation. Protect your child, protect your child. So then talk about then maintenance because yeah. that as well can be a big sore subject for a lot of people. Yeah. So maintenance is basically money from the father to the mother. So the mother will be the applicant. You go into Dolphin House again, same thing, fill out the form. You're then given a statement of means. Your statement of means is filled out by both sides. So for the mother, she's applying for money. The big question people always ask me is, how much do I apply for? What's a reasonable amount? Everyone's case is different. Stop reading off other people's sheets. If you have one child and you're putting down all your expenses, 
and we'll say the child does swimming and that's 20 quid a class and the child has school fees and that's 200 quid a week. Not every child is going to have swimming and school fees. So you put down what you think, honestly, you're, you spend on your child in a week. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, entertainment-wise. I've seen some people put down like 400 euro a week. That's not a reasonable amount. You know, if you're bringing your kids to cinema, fair enough or whatever, like don't be a person where the judge is going to go, well, what are you doing spending 400 euro on your child? Have a reasonable amount and build it up where you can kind of go, right, okay, I have this amount from social welfare. If you are getting social welfare, I have this amount. So then all in all, you'll bring your six months vouching in. So vouching is your six months bank statements, any receipts, anything that you spend. So a judge then can decide what's a reasonable amount. The minimum amount you will probably get is about 25 euro per child. Um, some people get 50 euro, some people get 70 euro. And then you have other people who get two to three grand. Because why? Because a lot of men are on a higher wage. Um, a lot of the time people say, well, I know he's doing nixers. How do I find out he's doing nixers? We'll say, well, if he's getting cash in hand, you could hire a private investigator to see what he's actually doing if he doesn't want to pay maintenance. But I always say don't hold your breath because when you do apply for maintenance, it is a father or a mother's job to take up responsibility for their child. So they realistically should be paying maintenance. Great if they pay maintenance and it's not gone through the courts. But it's really just a personal thing. It's not a generic order. Everyone, a lot of people go for it. Some people don't. But it's personal to you and what you are on. And then they basically will look at his or hers and see what they're on, combine them together and see what the person can basically afford weekly or monthly. Um, with maintenance then, it's not as straightforward as that. Again, breaches, which I will touch on in a few minutes, but sometimes they mightn't pay for, they mightn't pay weekly or monthly. And that builds up and builds up and builds up. You never are going to see that money again. I've seen 20, 30, 40 grand being built, building up in Dolphin House. And the judge will say, put a warrant out for his arrest. He goes missing because he doesn't, he doesn't have 40 grand to pay. Because he's either on drugs or drink. Or he could just not be bothered. Oh my god. So it's not straightforward with absolutely anything. And then what happens then. If you're in. And just not to complicate it. But to give people a bit of hope. If you're married. And you're finished in district. And you're going for divorce. So you're going to bring. What does finished in district mean? That it's going over to the circuit court now. Mm -hmm. Circuit is where the marriage more or less ends. Where you get your divorce in the circuit court. Um, so the big guns come out for circuit because obviously if there's assets, mm. so if there's property to divide up, pensions, whatever the case may be. Mm. And I remember my situation, and again, just to give an idea, claimed he wasn't working. He was a taxi driver, claimed he wasn't working. So I wasn't hiring out a private investigator. I'd done what I needed to do on that end. And I thought, now, solicitor didn't think of it. And this is where solicitors are not trained. I said to the solicitor, make an application to the court to get a copy of his NCT. For what? Because I said, the mileage will be on his car from the last NCT to the current NCT. And we'll allow and calculate the mileage that was carried out on the taxi. And that will give the income. Right. So as soon as I said that, she realised, oh my God, how clever. So she rang to the side and she said, just letting you know we're going for an order to get his NCT. That stopped. 
that stopped it. The threat of it. Because it would have opened a can of worms. Yeah. Because I was quite prepared to report it to revenue. So that's where solicitors don't know things like that. So even in district, it can be used. You can make an application to the courts to get the likes of the mileage. You're still a, now solicitors are a little bit more up to date mm. on it. But you've got to be more clever. And it's, as Amy said, it's not generic. It's not black and white. No. Mm. It's a game of poker you're playing. Yeah. You're handing these cards out. And when we get, as we call them, we get a deck in with a victim. We'll say, okay, what's X, Y, and Z? Let's throw this card out. Let's see what happens here. Okay, you're going to need to get an order for uh, maintenance. Is he paying any of the, skill, the crash fees? You know, we would then try and get him to pay half of everything for the next, say, if the divorce hasn't come through for the next year before it goes into the circuit court then for it to be wound up and to, f- to basically finalise everything. Is it true that, so say me and Paul tomorrow split up, right, and he was abusive and he left, right, or, like, we, we got him a protection and got him out, right? Is it true that he can't sell the house while I have kids here in the house? Yeah. Yeah, under yeah. the age of 18. Well, okay. 20, 23. 23, if if third level education. Yeah. Can't, can't. But. So he cannot come to me and say, I'm fucking putting no, that house no, in the market. No, no, can't, can't. Because that leaves you independent children on the street, street where you need to go. And no judge will put, no judge in this country will put any mother on the street yeah. with children or father. If the father's around the children, that will not happen. What would happen is you get to third level education mm. and then um, you would hope there's an agreement in place. And by then, we have a case at the moment where the youngest child is 15. She's seven years left, right? Um, and she's paying the mortgage and she's seven years left in the house. And she said to me last year, I'm not going to be able to keep this house gone. And I said, well, you have to because it's where you're going to live. And anyway, she got a little cabin at the back of the garden. So she's 1,400 euros a month coming in out of that. She has taken a student into the attic. She's under 700 in that. Now her mortgage is 4,000 because he remortgaged. So I said to her, get it down, get a breakdown and just interest only. And now she's after applying, she's after getting a supersonic job. So she'll be able to save the house. But I always say to anybody that's in, when it comes to the family home, Stop worrying about the family home. If you think you can't pay the mortgage, don't put your head in the sand. Talk to MAPS. Talk to your talk to your mortgage company. Um, explain what you're going through. Even if you're only paying fifty euro a week, which is very little, pay it and put your name when you lodge the money from yourself. Um, always have your own bank account, your separate bank account. Because um, that's really, really important to have your own bank account. If there's a joint account, uh, write to the bank and tell them you want to be taken off joint. Now, if there's loans there, what they will do is they won't take you off the loans. They, they leave you on the loans. Um, but we always say abusers, the first thing they do is they cut the air supply off. And the air supply is the financial supply. Mm. That's what they do. And if they leave you, like if he left there, right, and then I'm paying the mortgage for the rest of my time but he's like sell it sell it sell it after 10 years after 20 years saying sell it sell it it." has he got a right to the house even though I've been paying that mortgage for 10 yeah because he would have he would have proof that he initially bought the house with you and if he or she has proof that they invested money into the house 
um, they would be enticed with. Now we have a we have a burden saying um, for, for the likes of someone like that. Try not let it go to court. Give them fuck off money. Mm. Give them twenty, twenty five thousand. Think now. Mm. Think now for down the road. Mm. Okay, for ten years now. And this bastard in ten years, as soon as that child has finished third level, will want the house sold. Um and try and organise, you know, get your resources. There's always a way. If it means you having to sleep in the sitting room for the next ten years to build up them reserves that you can have that lump sum and be able to say, I have put X minus Z into the house. Also, another thing that people don't realise that if you, if you're, uh, if the perpetrator hasn't paid maintenance at all, and the court order is in place, it's so important you get a court order. Doesn't matter what the court order to pay, and they haven't paid it, that comes off their figure at the end of it. So, say they're entitled to fifty thousand, and they owe thirty thousand in maintenance. They only get 20. That's really important. So nobody knows, like, nobody would understand that it's so important. that's only if you're married, if it goes to circuit court. Of course, to circuit court, if you're married, right. Um, You won't see that maintenance if you're not married and it's in district. You'd be chasing it forever. Chasing it forever. Chasing it non-stop. But keep a note of it. We would say, Mm. keep a note of it. Don't keep coming back in because you know you're not going to get it. But what you do is, if you have a house together and you're not married... Keep a note of the maintenance that it hasn't paid. Make an application of arrears of maintenance maybe twice. Give up then and say, I'm not going back in. It's cost me too much money to go back in. And then you have your evidence built up of the money that he owes. And you will class him as a debtor. Okay, he's a debtor. Or she's a debtor. They owe you the money. It could be 20 grand. It could be 30 grand. Remember the money that you've put in. Every receipt. And we keep saying this. I had every receipt possible. Dennis very shoes for Amy. Because I was getting 70, 70. 70 euros a, a week. Um, Dennis Ferry's shoes, everything, the gutters in the house, um, anything that's possible that you can keep as a claim expense. And then at the end of it, then you've all your evidence built up and you then have your little nest egg ready to say, well, if this house is worth 300,000 or it's worth 400,000 and I get him or get her out for 30,000, it's not a bad day's work. Mm. Yeah. It's really important to get that evidence built up and oh, to yeah, keep the is. proof of all, everything, isn't yeah. it? And then when you have like a lot of people here of breaches, so you don't get a straightforward order and then 90% of the time the abuser won't contact you because mm. 90% of the time they will contact you. So a breach is basically someone that doesn't follow the order on both parts. Um, so someone who has applied for a safety order they can breach their own order and get back with the person so there is that as well your safety order will be taken off you straight away the judge has given you his time his or her time to grant you this order they will take it back off you if you go back with that person pretty for welfare kids as well um, so let's say for some, for instance someone breaches an order threatens to kill that's against a safety order you basically go down to your local guard station you make a statement it's not up to the Gardaí to tell you whether it's a direct breach. It's up to the DPP. So they are the Director of Public Prosecutions for Ireland for the state. So they will decide whether it is a straightforward breach. They'll come back with a yes or no. What happens then is, if they come back with a yes and say, yeah, he has threatened to kill you, that's a breach of the safety order, you then move to the criminal court. So the CCJ down in Park 8th Street. Um, it's a whole different kettle of fish down there because family law and criminal law they're two separate laws. They don't work side by side unless it's a breach 
from Dolphin House down to CCJ or your local courthouse. So when you have your statement done with the guards then, the guards will say, okay, well, we'll give you a date in two years' time. And you build up your evidence as to why you went and got a safety order. Um, And this is where the coercive control law comes in. So build up all your evidence from the years ago. Then you went and got your safety order. Then it's up to the criminal court then to see whether the charges will be strong enough. So threat to kill is a charge. Um, Criminal damage is a charge. So criminal damage could be um, your personal belongings, threatening things, um, to break things or whatever. And then you have your coercive controls, like we spoke about earlier, the gaslighting, the red flags, um, the physical abuse, the mental, emotional abuse. That all comes into it when it comes to DPP. You don't need a solicitor for the DPP. So the DPP will basically represent you. So this is where the last thing is that when it comes to the criminal court. So if you have gone and got a five-year safety order, and I'll give you an example, a girl goes and gets a five-year safety order. She never hears from her abuser and she decides to proceed with the criminal part of it. This is where he will be criminally charged with coercive control. Not domestic abuse, coercive control, assault, it's basically called. Um, What happens then is you go in, you speak to a guard, the liaison officer who is specific to domestic abuse or who has witnessed an incident. You then build up your evidence. A file is then sent off to the DPP the Director of Public Prosecutions, you could be waiting for two to three years for an answer to come back. If they decide then they want to go ahead and prosecute, you then go to court. If the abuser decides to plead not guilty, then a trial date is set, minimum three to four years later. If he pleads guilty, then a judge decides what um, charges and what conviction he could get. He could get a custodial sentence, which is prison time. He could get a suspended sentence, which is basically like you're, uh, it's a conviction but you don't go to prison it's suspended and for the duration let's say he gets a two year suspended sentence for the duration of them two years he can't contact you and um, if he does that's a breach of his probation so basically then probation services will come in and say well he has breached the order back into court again that's another charge to add so in that time I'll give you an example um, I had a girl she got a five year safety order she got the call to say File's gone to the DPP. This was all during COVID, so obviously there's a backlog. Two years later, the guard rang and said, the file has come back, um, they're going ahead and charging them. There was 16 counts of criminal damage, threat to kill, uh, assault, coercive control, um, and there was a array of other things. So um, she had physical pictures evidence of her and the girl was unrecognizable so now um the dpp have said yeah we're going ahead with the charge how are you pleading and his he hasn't decided what plea he's going to go in with yet so if he pleads guilty um basically then what happens is the judge will decide he the judge will open up his book and think okay well what grounds can we get him on here can we get him on a custodial sentence but then the thing about it is he could turn around and say well, Judge, I suffer with mental health. And that's the one thing that, again, that that card is completely thrown out. And the judge will turn around and say, well, you weren't suffering with your mental health when you were assaulting this girl. Mm. That's the whole thing about it. I think a lot of people feel that, oh, yeah, they were suffering with the mental health. Um, I feel sorry for them. 
and then they end up taking them back mm. or they end up dropping the case altogether. Mm. No, mental health's got nothing to do with it and you're being abused. Um, so then we'll say the lady is waiting on whether he pleads guilty or not. People think in this country, if he pleads not guilty, that he hasn't actually physically done it. Mm. That is not the case. He wants to plead not guilty. He has proven to himself in his head that he hasn't done this, but the evidence is all there. That makes it, excuse me, even harder for him because he will have to sit there and then it's up to a jury to look at the evidence. And if the evidence is strong enough, they will put him in prison if they can. So now then the lady has to wait and go back in for a trial date. Um, and if he pleads not guilty, goes to trial. If he decides to plead guilty on 16 counts, then the judge will decide what it is. After that, then she'll have to go back in and then the judge will decide what his sentence will be. Personally, I genuinely do see a custodial sentence. I do see him bringing in the mental health card, but a judge is not going to stand for that. Mm. Um, And when we were down there about four months ago, um, the judge just kept shaking her head when she heard every single piece of um, what every count so that girl has lost her life for five whole years. Not just because of COVID. Um, Shocking, isn't it? It's so bad. And there was one other thing I wanted to touch on was um, employment. Mm-hmm. When you're in a domestic um, abusive home and you work full time and you're terrified to talk to me and my mom, go to your employer. So in Ireland, every single employer in this country will now be trained in domestic abuse so they will be sent on courses they will be sent on whatever it is and there's a new law coming in now where you get five days domestic abuse leave so whether it's for court or whether you're going to make an application for an order you're entitled to five days now obviously you have to show your employer your safety order whatever it is your summons and they will sit down and work with you and have a chat with your employer and say to your employer look I'm going through something really bad at the minute but you know I don't want to lose my job I want to keep working Listen to your employer, and an employer will listen to you, and they will help you through it as well. Mm. You know, there's a girl after sending um, a message here to well. to my phone. Well, to stop domestic violence. Um, what happens if the guard doesn't serve the safety order? So this is a thing where it's it's shocking in this country because I think a lot of people have the guards to blame for all of this because the guards basically will give excuses and say oh, well, we don't have enough staff, no excuse. It's your job to serve the order. And people always say, well, if the order is not served, it's not valid. Yeah, that's true, but also it's up to the guards to serve that order. So Mm. realistically, when you go back in and the judge says, was the order served on the day that the lady was assaulted? And the guard will say, well, no. And the guard will say, well, actually, it doesn't actually stand because it wasn't served. No, it is. You just didn't do your job properly. So what I would say to that girl is that if she wants to contact us with the details of the station or whoever it is that the guard is, we can obviously have a chat with her. And if it needs to go further up, we'll... Paul, will you get any little drink there? Um, we'll have some more. Product, a production order, Amy. Will you explain what a production order is? So a production order is that if basically a mother and father have, um, have say, a child together or kids together, and um, there is access and the father doesn't bring back the child at the certain time or day that the person, the father should be or there is no access in place and he has taken the child, he has no right to the child whatsoever. And if there's no access in place whatsoever, 
that's basically classed as kidnapping a child, abducting a child. Even though the child could be your own, you're still not entitled to have your child there if it's outside access hours. If it's within access hours, doesn't you can't do anything about it. Um, and a production order then is basically if he threatens not to bring the child home, if he doesn't bring the child home for seven days. So you have to minimum leave it, excuse me, for seven days because he might bring the child back. That's terrible, but it's... The, what? Yeah. No, say, say that again. So, so production order yeah. is if a child is not returned to their mother or father, whoever has primary care and control of them, yeah. for the first seven days, yeah. you have to then go to a solicitor and say, my child hasn't been returned for me, or go into court and say, well, how many days is the child gone? I need to get a production order to produce the child back to me. So if a father turns around and says, I'm not returning the child, and it's outside access hours, or he has kidnapped the child from the mother and has no right to the child, that's essentially kidnapping. He has to bring that child back. So if he doesn't, a mother is entitled to go in and apply for a production order. But still, he doesn't have to bring that child back for seven days. Yeah, seven days, yeah. So, like, for example, a friend of mine had a situation where the grandmother had Mm. a child, and she rang, she was like, where is? And she was like, oh, shut up, we're on, we're on the way back. She was like, we're on the way back. She was like, we're mm. just at to be delayed. And she was like, no, but, like, it's getting late, it's a bedtime, mm. like, you need to. And the granny was like, will you relax? And she was like, well, I call the guards. And I was like, yeah, call the guards. Mm. And like, would the guards not do anything for you? The guards don't get involved in children, like, production orders or access. It's not their forte. And it's not that they they don't want it. They're not allowed to. They're only allowed to get involved with domestic abuse. Um. Now, seven days is what a lot of people will say. Like, the court sometimes will say seven days. Now, if the child has gone for two or three days and, like, serious concerns for their welfare, I go in for production order straight, straight away. away. But generally, sometimes, it depends on cases. If the courts turn around and say, no, you know, wait a couple of days, which generally is never the case, sometimes you could be waiting up to seven days because you have to wait for seven days for the order to be heard because in that time frame, the child could have been returned within seven days. So when you see uh, like stuff on Instagram and Facebook and it's or alerts, yeah, young child missing last yeah. seen with tall that man and blue yeah. car yeah. wearing distance, like that's more like the father's at or the mother's at taking mm. the child off. Yeah. yeah, and that they haven't brought them back. They've kept them on overnight after the access should end, and they didn't bring the child back. So like a day, it kind of depends. And I know every mother and father's worry is. Oh my god, where's my child? You panic. But a day, it's not kind of people say, would you not panic? Yeah, you would panic, but it's when they start threatening the mother to say, I'm not bringing my child back. And then when you don't hear from them for two or three days, that's when you go in and you say, No, I need to get my child back. So they have seven days to produce the child back. So that's what a production order is. I have two young kids and I'm terrified he will find them and run with them. If I try and leave, how can I make sure once I'm away from him, he can't come near us? So you have a couple of options there. If the person has, um, we always call this plan to exit. So plan to exit is a safety plan that we have made up. Um, and if this lady wants to contact us, she can. Um, it's basically a plan to make sure that financially you are somewhat comfortable. Um, a lot of people get up and leave with the clothes on their back and try to find a refuge. Um a lot of the time, I would suggest contacting the refuge, but more than likely, they're going to be full. So you have an option of going into a refuge for now, contact the refuge. 
if you have any family if that's not the case at all and you have literally nowhere to go um if you are married obviously build up your evidence if you have evidence and try and go in and obtain a barring order if you're not entitled to a barring order try and apply for a safety order so obviously it'll be served on him um if this woman is genuinely terrified that she just has to leave she cannot do this anymore then i would suggest to contact us and we'll be able to give her an idea and a plan to put into place of what she can do um but in to, to give her an idea of what she could do is make sure she has the kids passports make sure she has any money any cards delete all traces of messages of find of him finding you um if you have anywhere to go i would say get up and go now and leave no trace behind and i know that's not ideal for people but that's what you have to do sometimes to stay alive um, if it's a case where it's your house and solely your home and his his name is nowhere near the house, you're entitled to that house, you're entitled to a barn order, but you have to have proper evidence. Okay. What's the difference between hair follicle and urine? So urine is basically that if you have, let's say, alcohol in your system, right? It's going to show up you have traces of alcohol. Hair follicle will show everything to a T. So it will show cocaine. It will show any form of medication that you're on, antidepressants. Um, I've seen um, benzos. Some people take them for depression. Um, Xanax, uh, in paracetamol for a certain amount of time. Um, so a hair follicle is much more accurate than a urine because when obviously you um, go to the toilet, that's it then. Mm. You don't have any trace. You flush it out of your yeah. body. Whereas, for instance, weed would stay in your hair for 90 days. Right. So... We've had cases where um, someone has um, had to get a hair follicle and um, the other side are terrified because they know they're on drugs and they don't want them to find out they're on coke or um, weed or whatever. So they shave their head. A judge goes nuts because they don't want them to shave their head. So they've no hair for the hair follicle. Right. So a lot of people and a lot of men go down to, we'll say the likes of Orm and Key or any of the hair follicle testing centres um, and they will basically take hair follicle out of their leg it's not the same thing it has to be from your actual hair so what a judge will say then is right well you're not seeing your kids until i have a hair follicle test and when they do have a hair follicle test they're not allowed to shave their head like there's a court order it's mad put into place do not shave your head don't go get your hair cut so the urine is basically like we'll say for instance if someone on a weekly basis is not allowed to drink Mm. up to the access yes and there's no traces of them drinking. They have to give urine samples. Now, it's not as simple as that because nothing is ever simple with this. They can basically get someone else to go into the GP's mm. office and give the urine sample and say, well, there you go. There's Joe Bloggs urine sample. Let me see my kids. Yeah. So it has to be done prim and proper. And that's why I always say hair follicles more accurate. So you should, they should go for a hair oh, follicle. Yeah. Always yeah. ask for a hair follicle, but why ask for a hair follicle? Like, you couldn't just go into a court and say, well, I don't want him to see my child because I know he's involved with X, Y, Z, or I know he's on drugs. Where's your evidence? Well, he has messaged me before, or he has a conviction for drugs, or he seems to be um, putting money here, there, and everywhere. He's up on social media on nights out. Where is he getting all this from? When I try arrange for him to see the kids, he's always severely hungover. He's been done for a drink driving. Always go for hair follicle because, believe it or not, they're actually on more than you think. Mm. They're on drink. They're definitely on something else. Mm. You know? 
Um, one here says, I have a hair follicle in place and urines, if cannot produce hair, hair follicles, um, haven't had them in four weeks and my solicitor not really helping but I know this is a breach. Is this, like is this a breach? Oh, that's a breach. So, mm. like, if it's on a court order, hair follicles to or urine samples to be produced. If not hair follicle, you stop access. Like, realistically, you're not going to put your child into care with someone who is completely out of it. Mm. So you wouldn't do it with a stranger. Like, let's say, for instance, if you had a suspicion that the crash worker yeah. was highly intoxicated or was was on cocaine or something like that, you wouldn't leave your child with them. So why leave them with the father? Mm. People often say, oh, I don't want the judge to be given out to me. The judge would appreciate you more by stopping access for the welfare of your child mm. by not having them in them conditions. Mm. So my advice to you would be, um, if your solicitor is not replying to you, you can go in and if you feel you need to vary the access, um, go back in and make an application to vary the access and change the access. Or if you have serious concerns, just charge the access altogether. Or change solicitor. Yeah, you can change solicitor as well. Another, this is another one here. Um, um, my solicitor, his solicitor is quite famous. The name is here. Will I say the name? The solicitor is quite. His solicitor is quite famous. Heard lots of things about her and terrified going up against her. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't need to be terrified because we don't need to be terrified. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this solicitor doesn't have a person out for you, and I'm not just being. I'm not being biased and I say that mm. no solicitor has a person out for you at the end of the day if there's kids involved all they want is for the kids to be cared for and welfare so like if he has something against you or if he knows that say and I'm not saying personally to this person that if you're on drugs or you're out the weekend for three days on the three day bender he's obviously going to use that against you and that solicitor is going to use that against you if it's the opposite way She's going to say, well, hold my hands up, fair enough. I'm only here to represent him. And I know people often say, oh God, I'm terrified of her. I don't want to go up against her. I get that, but she's a solicitor and she's going to fight for her client. People often say to me, you know, why do you always recommend that certain solicitor? And I'm going, because she's good at what she does. Mm. If you produce the evidence with any other solicitor, more than likely that solicitor will probably fight the same battle. But... Will she, will that solicitor be as strong? I don't know. It depends what evidence you have. So don't be afraid. And don't be, yeah. And I mean, the thing about it is, right? Sandra is Sandra, as far as I'm concerned, right? And it makes a difference. That's the name I have here. Yeah, Sandra McAleer is a very good solicitor. Exactly. Right? She's an excellent yeah. solicitor. Okay. And remember, her job is not judge and jury. She's only going on what. Her client has told her. Yeah. That's all. She knows nothing about it. So her job is to fight for her client. But remember, there is still good solicitors out there yeah. that is well able to take Sandra on as well. Yeah. And, you know, Sandra's not running all the Dolphin House. She gets a lot of cases and she's a very, very good solicitor. And I wouldn't have anyone say anything different about her. But, like, we have a number of solicitors. We have David Ivers now who used to work for Sandra, he's gone to Susan Martin. And another good firm of solicitors. There's lots of firms mm. out there that are good and that that understand it. Yeah, and as well, like, you know the way I always hear people in Dolphin House going, oh, they'll say something to Sandra sometimes because I often go in with people and they go, who's his solicitor? And Sandra go, doesn't matter who his solicitor is. He has representation. It's about what evidence he has 
or what you have. Mm. So, like, if Sandra's representing him and he's on drugs and he has a drink problem, she's not going to try and cover that. If that lady goes to ask for hair follicles or whatever, if he's not on anything, obviously, you know, dish it out between both solicitors. But at the end of the day, it's about the child. It's not about who's representing who. Think of the child in that circumstance. So, nothing to be afraid and, of. And, and there's brilliant solicitors out yeah, there. And there's a lot solicitors. of new kids coming down mm. the line as well. And you can see Dolphin House, it has changed because there's a new breed coming into Dolphin House. And they're very, very strong. And they're very passionate about domestic violence, which is great to see it. Um, but again, the hair follicle, I think, is the secret to it all. Oh, it is, yeah. So one, another one here. Um, I think his urines are fake mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're clear and I know he's in the pub every weekend. How can I prove it? Okay, so my advice to you would be, um, is there anyone in the pub that wouldn't know him? That obviously you can trust. I always say never get other people involved. But if you have a genuine concern, try get a picture of him coming out of the pub or in the pub. Now the only thing is, is that he could be in the pub for something to eat. So mm. probably not that. But um, go back in and vary the access if there is access in place, and just say I don't believe that the urines are clear because obviously it's hearsay. I have heard of him being in the pub every weekend, and. If it is the case where the lady is handing over for access, can she smell the drink off him? Is he cancelling access because he's severely hungover? Because he's the child in the pub with him on a regular on basis. On a regular basis. So if that is the case, obviously, go back in and vary the access. But I go back in and ask for hair follicles that you have concerns for um, the urine samples. What you said there, can you do access that they can't be in, in a public house? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can, can. request that as oh, well. Oh, can you? Yeah, they're not, yeah. and they're not also allowed. Say in the likes of a bookies, yeah. you can request that as well, or in any ga- gaming gambling outlet, the likes of Doctor Quirky's in O'Connell Street or somewhere like that, mm. you can request that as yeah. well. Um, oh, Rebecca, love their book. I can't wait to hear the podcast. Brilliant women. Um, that's coming in and then another one girl coming in saying I've been through it all it's absolutely horrific and these girls helped me so thank you so much well thank you to whoever Um, and then I have stuff from today that I got through Um, I've gone through that uh, the criminal process legal aid um, and the orders and how to make applicants I've gone through all of that um, as well I just want there was one case that I just seen and I think it was on Joe Duffy and it absolutely shocked me to be fucking core, was that a woman in a very high-powered job was being abused and the man never touched her. Mm. He got his two young boys, two twin boys, teenage boys, 10 to 30, and they've been battering her mm. for years. Very common. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Boys, if you don't get boys out before they're eight... They become abusers. Now, I'm not saying in all circumstances, mm. but if you don't break the cycle before they're eight, there's a brilliant doctor out there called Dr. Gabor. He's amazing. And he is, he, he will tell you as it is, he's, he's a genius in domestic violence. And we've, we've noticed more in Dolphin House of elderly abuse. A woman 83 years of age, battered in a wheelchair. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's horrific. Like, you look at kids and you're going, 
why do they think it's okay to hit their mom? Yeah. But like, for instance, if a child is in school and they're completely acting out of sorts, majority of the time, teachers nowadays are trained and it's me, to know... Trying to see what's going on. Go on. To know about domestic abuse. And when a child is acting out, they go, Jesus, that's not, you know, normal for that child there. And then they look at the circumstances and the behaviour. And if behaviour is changing, obviously that's going to be something formed to do with domestic abuse or obviously um, learning disabilities or whatever it may be. But 80% of the time it is domestic abuse at home. So you may call the mother in and the mother may completely like completely dismiss the situation, say, no, no, there's nothing going on. Like it's up to the teacher then to inform Tilsley if they have serious concerns. And a lot of the time... This is how 90% of cases turn out is that the mother or father doesn't do anything about the abuse. That the kids actually start acting out in school. The teachers then go and contact Tilsla and Tilsla actually find out that there is domestic abuse. And it nearly takes a social worker to chat to the mother and say, you know, you need to get out of here. And if you don't, there could be a high possibility that your child is going to be taken off you. But that's not a threat. That's there to put you there to go, no, I need to do something about it. Mm. So even if it's a child in school... Child acting out in school is the same thing, you know. So the main thing that my key takeaways for tonight is get the evidence, yeah. build it up. Obviously, you know, it's, it's so hard when you're in those situations and you love a person and, and all of that. It's just about protecting your kids and protecting yourself as well. But just build that evidence up that you can go into court no matter who the fuck your solicitor is. Yeah. Exactly. And have that proof. Of everything that's gone along and just go and do it. Like, for example, we would have a situation, say, you have two solicitors, and this is how it's argued out. You might have two solicitors and they're arguing out over, over their clients, right? And we would say, okay, we've reason to believe that um, he's on drugs. Absolutely, reason to believe. We have a video of him, right? And we'll just say a video of her. She's doing cocaine or whatever. And the next thing, sister will go and approach the other side and say, "Do you know what your client is at? We've no problem. We're going to run. We're going to run this." She'll go back over and she'll say, "You never told, or you never told me that you're that you did X, Y, and I said, Do you not realise? Why mm-hmm. didn't you tell me the truth there?" Mm-hmm. And then they might agree to settle it and agreeing to the safety order. He won't want to go into court to be taken yeah. down and be destroyed in court. Because yeah. he doesn't want to produce hair follicles. Do you know what I mean? So they would agree then to the safety. And then you might have them where they would agree to the access and they'll do it on your terms. Because yeah. you don't have to go towards the judge, do you? Well, no. You want it to be ruled on. You don't have, no. Like, I always say, and the one thing I say is, another thing is, if a, someone that abused you ever says to you, let's go to do mediation. No. No, no. Do not touch mediation. The only way mediation works for people is that you have completely just fallen out of love and it's just not working between you. Realistically, you're not going to even go to court. That's not going to be a thought in your head. Mm-hmm. If they say mediation, that's not even a judge. That's just basically someone that will sit there and ha- lash it out between you. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to work if he's abusive and you've left him and you have a safety order. Mm-hmm. Mediation doesn't work. I don't feel it works. It might work for one person. It certainly doesn't work for anyone who's gone in. For safety or and I'm mm-hmm. not, and I don't believe the mediators are very experienced no. either. Like I remember, um, a victim came to me and she said to me, "Do you know that one's after saying the mediator? Well, he's a lovely fella." I said, "That is not her to make that judgment." I said, 
She is there to hear his side, your side, and then come back and try and make an arrangement to do X, Y, and Z. A lovely fella. I said, she doesn't know. So I reported her. Yeah, good so it was it was it was stopped, and she refused then to go back to mediation. But I don't agree mediation works. I think it's just another job for a civil servant in there to do that stuff. There is so much more when it comes to all of this. Like there is things that we haven't touched on. Like people hear about access, and people hear about section thirty twos and section twenties. That's all personal to everyone. So if anyone obviously has any questions, get them to send them in. What is the section thing about? a child that you can get a child voice of the child report yeah what is that so there's two different reports section 32 section 32 is the voice of the child so it's a psychological report child or children are interviewed mum and dad are interviewed and it's basically to see if you can't agree on access what a qualified psychologist thinks should happen what are the psychologist's recommendations so they will recommend access once a week twice a week or no access at all they are brutally honest um that's the section 32. Section 20 then is Tulsa. Tulsa do that report and it's the voice, that, it's the welfare report, we'll say. Mm. And it's basically a social worker sitting down with the child and what they feel is best for the child. So they basically, sometimes there's two separate um, reports, um, but they go hand in hand with access if you can't agree on access. Okay. I'm not, this is, it's so weird because in the podcast, I'd never sit on my phone and, um, but like I'm sitting on the phone now, like going, like what, what's going on? What are people asking me? And I'll, I've so many messages in from people like saying, I'm just saying I'm no internet, hang on a second. Um, so many people saying, I love the ladies, they help me out so much. Like it must be so rewarding. And like, you know, you say what I say earlier on about you, someone was like, that girl is so young, yeah, but she is the biggest help. And she knows so much. I don't know. Like, I've learned it all from my mum. That's where I've gotten it from. Terrible what we've had to go through, yeah. But, like, as I say, Rebecca, it is what it is. And you you just have to get on with it and do it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I love what I do. I love working five days a week. But I also love helping people. Because I genuinely couldn't have a chat with someone and then see them on the news dead. Like, that would kill me. Mm. So that's why I love what I do. And I will continue to do it no matter what. Sometimes you do want to just sit there and go, you're not listening to me. You have to listen to me. But you get there eventually with them. And it is rewarding because you know that realistically, they're not going to be in a grave. And their kids will actually have a living parent that will protect them. And I think the only thing I find, which I find really, really sad, is we have government upon government. We have agencies. We have NGOs. And they're not able to do what Amy and I are able to do. Yeah. And people, that is just to give a bit of love, a bit of support, and say we're here. Yeah. That's all. People need brutally honest advice. And people need being brutally honest in themselves. Because I'd say they've been lied to for so long by abusers. Yeah. And they need that shoulder to cry on. So why not give us some of the stress and say, do you know what, at least if I can give it to someone. People look at me sometimes and say, how does she know what she does now? Mm. And then I open my mouth and start talking, you mm. know? So it is just, you know, come to us if you do need something. We're always here. Yeah. And on that note, we leave there, ladies. Thank We've you. been talking for one hour, 45 minutes. Um, we have the guy in the background there just going to end that conversation. Are you, is that what you're doing? Yeah. So you've done, you've paused it. 
But um, just to say, before you do switch it off, Paul, hang on one second, just to say that the girls will share it on, we can share the handle on TikTok, the sh- handle shared, isn't it? And then we share, and then obviously this will go out in a podcast as well, mm-hmm. because I know people have come back to me and said, and to you and said, oh my God, I listened to your podcast and only listening to your podcast did I realise that I was in a situation that wasn't physical, mm-hmm. But it was that coercion piece that's yeah. happening. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, ladies, so Thank much. You. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Paul. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.